listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Happy Thanksgiving weekend, everybody. I'm Rick Benson. Welcome into the BTG Studios here in Rochester, New York. I hope you're enjoying your holiday weekend. I know Zach is. He's away. In fact, this is going to be a different kind of show. We're going to bring you an encore presentation. I'm going to introduce to you a couple of segments we did previously so that I can get back to holiday pie and leftovers with my family. I hope you're doing the same. This first segment is from September of this year, right after that Monday night game when the Jets just dominated the Detroit Lions. And it claims from some of the Jets players that they knew some of the plays that the Lions were going to run. That led to Zach and I having a discussion about the unwritten rules in sports, about interfering with or stealing other team signals. But it leads into a discussion about how some of the, some of that's unclear. What is acceptable? What's not acceptable? And it leads us to a discussion about the Word of God. And when it comes to the plan of salvation in the Bible, it couldn't be any clearer. Here's that segment from September 14th of this year. From our studio in Rochester, New York, welcome back to the Beyond the Game program, Sports Talk Without the Trash Talk, BTG program or at BTG program, btgprogram.com or at BTG program, I should say. Mm-hmm. You've had several days now to think about what you saw on opening weekend of the NFL, and you're still probably trying to decide if what you saw is what you think you saw. The Cleveland Browns did not lose. I've seen things people wouldn't believe. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the man. And the New York Jets are undefeated, not just winning their season opener, but I mean, they went out on the road and throttled their opponent, the Detroit Lions, 48-17. to And I'm not suggesting that the Lions are a Super Bowl team, but they only missed the playoffs last year by a game on the final weekend of the season, and I have them grabbing a wild card spot this year. I think they're better than... What they showed Monday night, for sure. They're a good football team. Maybe not great, but they're at least good. But if Monday night is any indication, well, maybe I need to rethink who I'm going to pick for my wild card team because I'll tell you what, they should be able to handle a rookie quarterback in their own building. Mm-hmm. A team starting a rookie quarterback, a team that finished 5-11 and last year with a rookie quarterback, they should be able to handle that. Instead, they look confused most of the night, and worse, they looked. They looked unprepared, even though they had months Mm -hmm. to get ready for this opening game. First-year head coach Matt Patricia, I'd say he's got some work to do there. Now, I still think he'll do a good job there in Detroit. I'd like to see him dress up a little bit more. Step Mm -hmm. up the wardrobe, man. I mean, he looks—if you had passed him on the street outside the stadium— if he was laying down on a bench, you'd just assume he was another homeless guy. He kind of looks like one of the dwarves from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I guess he does. Yes, the Lions looked horrible, but I think Monday night was more about the Jets. Mm-hmm. They really looked good. Jets fans may have thought, here we go again, when Sam Darnold threw that interception on the first yes. play. Of the- How Jets is that? Mm-hmm. I first play of the game, and Sam Darnold throws an interception. A pick six interception on that. Uh, not a very good decision to make that throw, in my opinion. 
But he certainly bounced back, had a terrific game, especially by rookie standards. And by rookie New York Jets standards, well, then move over Joe Namath. Here's the new face of the franchise. Or at least move over Geno Smith, right? (laughs) Yeah. But the defense was strong, too. I mean, this is the New York Jets we're talking about. They look good. They look like the Green Bay Packers. They look like the New England Patriots in a primetime, nationally televised game. They intercepted five passes in a game for the first time in nearly 20 years. They scored their first defensive touchdown in something like 70-some games, first time going all the way back to 2013. Mm -hmm. And if you believe the reports, and why wouldn't you after the way they played, the Jets players say they knew what was coming. Talking about Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford, Jets linebacker Darren Lee said, we were calling out their plays as he was getting up to the line. Stafford was picked up four times, picked off four times, I should say. Mm-hmm. Matt Castle was picked off one time in that brief stint when Stafford was off out of the game due to an injury. Lee added, we knew his signals. We knew everything. The Lions had the same problem you might remember back in 2015. It was a different coaching staff for the most part back then, although current offensive coordinator Jim Bob Cooter was on the staff, albeit in a different position. In fact, it's sort of that incident back in 2015 where they were tipping their plays sort of led to that OC at the time. I don't remember who it was, but he got fired, and that's how Jim Bob got that job. Wide receiver Golden Tate had gone on radio at the time and said players from other teams told him that they knew what plays were they were running. Jets players were careful to point out that they weren't stealing signs, that they were just prepared, they had studied, they had watched film, and both Patricia and Jets coach Todd Bowles seemed to downplay the Jets' comments, Patricia saying that every team sort of has an idea on what its opponent's going to run. But it seemed to me like the Jets were being overly cautious Mm -hmm. to avoid uh, some look like Spygate, you know they they just didn't want to be compared to that when they mm-hmm. were saying they knew the plays and and of course they wouldn't. But here we go again with those unwritten rules in sports. Like if they're standing on the sideline, looking at the other team, sending in the signals, who cares? Yeah, Hide I mean, your what signs difference better. does it make? Hide your signs better. Same thing in baseball when the batter is looking back at the catcher. I mean, if he does, so what? He's a tool, but so what? Mm-hmm. And if they're stealing it from second base. Have better signs. Why does the one finger always have to be the fastball? Mm -hmm. Change it up. Do something different. As many hours as coaches spend in the film room, come up with something new. I like in college football where they have these placards. They'll hold up a tiger and a 65 Mustang and a picture of Burt Reynolds from Mystery Alaska, and that playing means something. And then the next play, they've got something different. I mean, how the heck did Peyton Manning keep defenses off balance with Omaha all the time. Yeah. Nobody ever knew what Omaha meant, did they? I don't think we ever figured it out. Aren't you glad you don't have to decipher what Tiger plus 65 Mustang plus Burt Reynolds means in Scripture? Not that you could find that combination anywhere in the Word of God. Well, there are certainly mysteries in the Bible, and waiting on God as you determine what it is He's calling you to do is, of course, invaluable. But when it comes to the most important things... The Bible's very clear. It even says that the world around us calls out to the existence and to the wonder of God. How easy is that? Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. 
Psalm 19, verse 1 says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. We can't charge God with hiding himself from us just so we can have an excuse for our sins and our immorality. When it comes to the plan of salvation, so that we can be rescued from the penalty of those sins and live in glory with him and for all of eternity, it just couldn't be any clearer. Isaiah 45, verse 22 says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That is why God made it so clear. He wants the world to be saved through him. People say that the path to heaven is confusing because there are so many ways, but that's not what God said. He wants you to know him. He wants you to be with him in eternity. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. But that choice is all yours. He's not going to force his way into your life if you don't want him there. Many want the peace of knowing that when they die, they will go to heaven, but that only comes by knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. Many want to have Jesus, but they want all that the world has to offer as well. And it just it doesn't work that way. You must choose which is going to be your priority without compromise. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Heaven is available to those who choose to follow Christ, and you can know that when you die, you have eternal life. John 10.27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Jesus Christ has already paid the debt of our sins when he gave his life on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He had lived a life without having ever sinned. He didn't need to die, but he chose to do so. And when he did, he took all the weight of those sins of all of mankind on the cross with him, paying for them with his sacrifice for us. He was buried, but then he rose again three days later because he has the power over death. And you can have power, that same power he wants to give to you over eternal death by placing your trust in him. Admit your sin to God. Admit your guilt to God. Tell him that you believe he died on the cross for you. Tell him you believe that he was buried and then rose again and ask God to forgive you. And tell God that you want to change. You want him to help you repent from your sins. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Romans 10.9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. If you've done that today, We'd be encouraged to know about it. Send us a note, would you? Go to our website, btgprogram.com. Our contact information is there. 
I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that. That was a segment from September 14th of this year. I'll be right back after a couple of commercials and this week's Red Hawks recap, and then we'll be back with another segment. This is the Beyond the Game program. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Looking back on the week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics, this is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up through Wednesday, November 20th. The Red Hawks recap is brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. The Roberts Wesleyan women's basketball team earned their first two wins of the season last weekend at the annual Regina Memorial Tournament hosted by Dominican College. Junior Sarah Nady scored 16 points, including four threes. And fellow junior Emily Miller had a double-double, scoring 14 points with 15 rebounds as the Red Hawks defeated Felician College 73-62 last Friday night. On Saturday, Miller led Roberts to a 75-58 win over Dominican College with another double-double, scoring 21 points and grabbing 10 rebounds. The ladies were in the win column yet again this past Tuesday, their third straight, defeating Mansfield University 77-57, approving to 3-2 on the young season. Miller once again led the way with 16 points, tied for the team high with junior Tashela Satorius. On the men's side, following an 88-44 loss at Mercyhurst College on Saturday, they too hosted Mansfield University on Tuesday and came away with an 89-71 win to move their record to 3-2 also. Redshirt senior Justin Vaughn led the way with 26 points and 8 rebounds. At the NCAA D2 East Regionals on Saturday afternoon, the Roberts Wesleyan women's cross-country team came away with a second-place finish. The Red Hawks were paced by sophomore Ashley Watson, sixth-place overall finished in the 6K race. Sophomore Brittany Shumway crossed just five seconds later to place seventh overall. The Red Hawks are now ranked 22nd in the nation and will move on to the NCAA championships in Pittsburgh on December 1st. The men finished in fifth place, missing out on a spot in the NCAA National Championships by just two places. Josiah Adelini led Roberts with a 13th place overall finish in the 10K race. The Red Hawks end their 2018 season as East Coast Conference champions. Some upcoming opportunities to go out and see the Red Hawks for yourselves. The women's basketball team will be in action at home next Saturday, December 1st, taking on Chestnut Hill College at 1 p.m., And then it'll be a basketball doubleheader against Damon College on Wednesday, December 5th, with the women chipping off at 6 and the men following at 8. Stay up to date with Roberts Athletics by visiting their website, robertsredhawks.com. And, of course, you can follow the Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Redhawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student-athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into the show. This is the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. No Zach Barletta. He's home enjoying his Thanksgiving weekend. 
I hope you're doing the same. In fact, I'm going to get back to my celebrating with family here in just a few minutes. But first, let me introduce to you this segment as we continue our encore presentation to Beyond the Game. This segment comes from August 19th. Zach and I have a discussion about the debate between analytics and old school baseball scouting, which is preferred. Some teams lean more one way than the other. I suppose the right is some combination of both. I know Zach's a big analytics guy. I think they can be helpful, but I tend to lean more towards the old school baseball scouting way of doing things. And that's probably very much has to do with Zach being a younger guy than myself. Here's that segment from August 19th of this year. This conversation will turn into a biblical conversation about when to stand on doctrinal truths and when to handle a difference of opinion with grace and truth. From our studio in Rochester, New York, welcome back to the Beyond the Game program. Sports talk without the trash talk, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Had to laugh a little not only about the tweet you sent out some time ago suggesting that the Mets might be thinking that the root cause of all their problems was an over-dependency on analytics. <laughs> Only the Mets. Only the Mets. But then some comments Jason Wirth made about how baseball seemingly be, has become more and more of a data-driven game. Jason Wirth said this, they've got all these super nerds, as I call them, in the front office that knowing nothing about baseball, but they like to project numbers and project players. I think it's killing the game. It's to the point where they should just put computers out there, just put laptops and what have you. Just put them out there and let them play. We don't even need to go out there anymore. It's a joke. As far as Mets go, we know they are going to have a new general manager this offseason. A recent article in the New York Post suggested that they may be looking for a guy who, like you say, is going to go in the opposite direction of analytics. They think maybe they have relied too heavily on them. And I wonder if we're starting to see this like BG effect happening in in baseball. Those of you old enough to remember the 70s, the great disco era, remember the BGs were everywhere. They were the hottest ticket around. They were red hot, had a string of hits. And then all of a sudden, it seemed that because of oversaturation, everybody turned on them. Nobody liked the BGs. Nobody liked disco anymore. They, they, they were immensely talented. They really were, which of course led to them having somewhat of a resurgence years later, but they never did reach the heights that they once once had reached. And just like that, it's almost like we're seeing a little bit of backlash against analytics because they're just, they're just everywhere. And old school baseball is sort of getting pushed to the side because all we're hearing is analytics, analytics, analytics. And it's turning some people off, in my opinion. You're an analytics guy. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think? Um, I think that what's at the root of it is that there's a lot of people who have been in the game for decades, a lot of people who have spent their whole life in organized baseball, and they think they've got a pretty good handle on it. They have a lot of experience in the game. They know what they're looking at when they watch a game. And then here comes somebody that's half their age with a college education that says, actually, I can plug some numbers into my computer and I can tell you how well this player is going to do and how poorly this player is going to do based on a predictive model. And here's these guys who have been in the game their whole lives, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, that say, well, wait a minute, uh, what about guys like me who know what we're doing? And they, there's this disconnect between the generations, I think. And uh, in some organizations, like, for example, the Pirates and, and Oakland, they've been able to bridge that gap and connect the old school guys with the new school guys. Obviously, in some other organizations, they really have struggled to do that. I think that's exactly the success where it's going to come from, is when you're able to balance 
you take a guy like Jason Worth. He was a terrific baseball player and never really, though, all that efficient. He hit 200 and some home runs, but he only batted 267. And while that's not terrible, you know, he, maybe if people weren't pushing him, those super nerds, as he calls them, pushing him to hit more home runs, maybe he could have hit for a higher average and stuck around a little longer. And who knows? Maybe he'll be back again. I have no idea. But I've always been about a healthy balance. That's how I've kept in such good shape all my life, you know, eating a healthy balance of fruits and vegetables and garbage plates and barbecue and Chinese takeout. I would think the Mets would want a GM that, uh, old school or not, is willing to weigh out, uh, as you say, balance the two, a nice blend of analytics, but some old school scouting and giving a manager the freedom to go with a hunch, you know, as as Joe Torre was legendary at being able mm-hmm. to do during that great run he had with the New York Yankees. There were times of watching the Avengers Infinity War. We saw that movie together. I found myself feeling for Thanos, you know. Uh, uh, sure, he was the biggest punk on the block, but it, you, at times you kind of felt for him because he believed in his convictions. You know, here's a guy mm-hmm. that's just convinced he's doing the right thing. And um, sometimes people disagree with you or sometimes they're they, they're not going to accept another way to do things because they're so convinced that their way is best. Some of those old school baseball guys will never accept analytics because they just think their way is best. They're convinced that that snap is going to do good instead instead of harm. There are times, though, when backing down because somebody else has another way is not the thing to do. Consider when Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In our society, obviously there's no shortage of opinions on how to get to heaven, yet Jesus says it is only through him. And despite how well-meaning somebody is or how um, kind they are in their presentation, the fact of the matter is they're, they're just wrong. And as many of you know, when you take that stance— People are not generally going to respond well. Whatever do you mean that there are not multiple ways? How can you be so narrow-minded? I'm sure you've heard those. Mm -hmm. When you're holding to godly values and you're sharing biblical teaching, there's going to be pushback. There just is. That's not the time to get prideful. It's not the time to go on the attack. It's the time to seek God in prayer, realizing that it's a spiritual battle that you're in. I, I find it very interesting that criticism, pushback, uh, resistance, rejection, cause so many to stop sharing their beliefs or to walk away from ministry, walk away from the church altogether. And you think about what Jesus did when he faced criticism. Well, he just kept going. You know, he faced it to a much greater extreme than you and I probably ever will or ever have. And he remained firm, stood his ground to the point where he gave his life for those who would believe on him. He didn't attack back in pride. He just stood firm with a love so strong that he gave his life on the cross. 1 John 3.16 says, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Look, it's okay to have a disagreement. Then remember, when you do that, stand on the word of God. Don't stand on your feelings. Don't stand on what it is you think is right, but stand on what God teaches is right. When God has given you conviction and you express it, expect pushback. It's going to come. Handle it with grace and love, especially when it comes from other believers. John thirteen thirty five says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. 
So whether you subscribe to baseball analytics or you prefer the ways of the old school baseball scouts, maybe you subscribe to the thinking that modern choruses and worship music are the best way to praise God, or maybe you prefer the old school hymns. There are a number of different ways to go about something. And apart from doctrinal truths, apart from doctrinal truths found in the Bible, those differences and that variety is what makes the world great. Embrace it. Maybe you can even learn something from it. Find a healthy balance that you can live with. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Well, that's going to just about do it for this week's Encore presentation of Beyond the Game. Even though Zach's not here, I do have a you like that for you. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says, In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. And remember the words of our Lord Jesus, that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Ethan McLean is a 10-year-old boy from Ireland who sadly suffers from a terminal disease that is wasting away his muscles. Within the next 18 months, he'll lose part of his legs. Then likely it will be his arms and then the rest of his muscles. His life expectancy is roughly to somewhere mid or late teens. His parents told him that they were going to search for Bigfoot in the Tennessee mountains, but instead, young Ethan was met by Nash, the saber-toothed tiger mascot of the Nashville Predators, in front of the team's arena in Nashville. The background of this story is that Ethan is a fan of Captain America, and last year the Atlanta Gladiators of the ECHL had a Marvel Comics night and wore Captain America novelty jerseys that were to be auctioned off after the game. A man the family knew through Ethan's favorite hockey team in Ireland used Twitter to make the team aware of Ethan's situation and to ask for a jersey. The Gladiators sent Ethan a jersey, and after his local hockey community pulled together and made the trip to America possible, the Gladiators continued to do even more for Ethan. On their first evening in the U.S., the Gladiators were playing an away game, so the team arranged for Ethan to watch their game in the locker room with some of the team's injured players, after which they invited him to practices, they invited him to games, they sat him on the bench, he announced their starting lineup. The Gladiators even had him meet Captain America himself before the game. But it wasn't over yet. That's when the family left for Nashville to allegedly search for Bigfoot, but it had all been arranged by the Gladiators, who have a working relationship with the Predators. Fast forward back to Ethan meeting the Preds mascot in front of the arena because of his disease causing him to make frequent bathroom stops. They asked if he could use the bathroom arena and once inside, they were allowed to stay and watch the Predators morning skate. Ethan wanted to stay for a game but told his father, an NHL game is too expensive for us, isn't it, Daddy? The Preds made Ethan and his family their guests that night, and he watched the game wearing a personalized jersey he received as a gift from the team. He also got a stick from defenseman Matt Irwin and got to meet Predator star P.K. Subban in the Nashville dressing room. And he did it all from a wheelchair customized with Captain America's shield on both wheels. The generosity and love of so many in making the dream of a dying young boy come true is what I like this week. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Encore presentation of the Beyond the Game program. Each and every week, we bring the gospel of Jesus Christ as well as biblical applications in the world of sports to listeners all around the world. And remember that your financial gifts help make that possible. Please consider a financial contribution to this radio ministry. And if you have a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program. For more information or to make a donation, visit our website, btgprogram.com. Lots of other stuff there, too. Additional information about the program, you can listen to past broadcasts. There's detailed information about how you can know Jesus Christ personally and begin a faith journey walking daily in the love of God. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving weekend. And remember that, Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 